Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Tim Larkin for Artifact, a new digital card game based on lore from the game Dota 2. And this is a first for us, and now you, because we got to chat with Tim starting back in July 2018, when he flew to Salt Lake City to record the orchestra and choirs for this soundtrack. So we interviewed him twice while he was out there, and at the end of each day of recording, more or less. Uh, And we did one final interview just before the game shipped in late November, which is what it is right now. We also got access to audio we've never officially had access to before, which is hilarious because we've done this for seven years. We got the separated recordings of all the musicians on one track. Uh, They're called stems, so you'll hear what uh, some of the tracks what one of the tracks rather sounds like when it's broken up into its own sections of instruments at times Uh, and that was really exciting as as i said we've heard stems before but we've never gotten to use them in an actual show and share them which is a really really cool thing it's really fun to hear that stuff so you're going to hear tim talk about what each recording day was like He recorded the strings on the first day, so you'll hear him talk about how he prepares for that moment when everyone is ready to perform and record the music that he's written for the game. And before we get into the recording discussions, though, uh, a little background about Artifact, uh, this new digital card game. It's based on the MOBA called Dota 2. Uh, Dota 2 is made by Valve Corporation, and Tim is a composer for Valve and he's worked on Dota 2 for about nine years, since the beginning of Dota 2. You'll hear Tim reference something called the International, which is Dota 2's giant esports competition. Uh, Tim does concerts at the International of Dota's music with an orchestra at those events, and he, he mentions that briefly. To start everything off, though, Tim is here to say more about Artifact. Artifact itself. I mean, first of all, the, just to acknowledge the game itself is a great game. I mean, the, the team that that uh, that worked on this is an extremely talented team here at, at Valve. Great artists, great animators, programmers, designers, uh, other sound designers. Everything, everyone that worked on this game. It's just uh, they they just really know what they're doing, and they've they've come up with a great game. It was, it's it's a card game that's based out of the lore, uh, based from the lore of Dota. And it was designed by uh, a guy named Richard Garfield, who was the designer of Magic the Gathering. So it kind of combines uh, all, all this lore and history and design from, from a, a, a cumulative experience of all these people uh, to, to culminate in this game of Artifact. And, and uh, it really, again, it really came together well. It has a lot of depth. It's a really rich game and uh, uh, really proud of the work that everybody has done on this game. I think that the, the community is really going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And you're you're connected to it, of course, because you've done music for Dota for for many I, years now. Correct. I worked on the soundtrack uh, for Dota for um, well since the beginning. Since uh, it's probably been uh, nine years, I think that that, that, that game has been out. So uh, I worked on the yeah all the the initial soundtrack that Valve put out, and then 
have done all the trailers that we've uh, done uh, every year since for uh, releasing new heroes and then doing concerts at the International and that type of thing. Even though the, there's lore that, that Artifact is based in um, uh, from Dota, we kind of decided that it's it's uh, to, to kind of make that a departure point um, and not really do everything the same uh, as it was done in Dota. It shares heroes, it shares characters, things like that, and some of the sounds that you'll hear and and uh, a voice of the same characters and, and some sounds that are that are common in both games but the music definitely uh, took a different turn and and based on the story decided to go a different direction with that tim recorded strings brass percussion and two choirs in salt lake city on the first day tim recorded just the strings saved everything for the next day so we talked to him at the end of that first day of recording which was July 30th in 2018. How did it go today? I went pretty good. As usual, I kind of found this in most sessions that I do where it takes a while to kind of get the motors running. And once everybody starts to gel, then, then it uh, starts to take shape pretty quick. So it took a little while to get everybody warmed up. It was, I think morning comes earlier here in Salt Lake than it does <laughs> where, I'm, where I came from. So, uh, but yeah, once it got going, it went really well. So you did strings today. Yeah. And was that it? That's all you did today? Ended up just doing strings today. We were going to do uh, some extra wind stuff, but that ended up not happening. So we ended up with about, I think there's about 40-something string players. Oh, my goodness. That's, uh, so, that's a lot of string players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So was it tra- Is it traditional, like violin, viola, cello, bass? Correct. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, Tim, what does it take for you to get to this point where you can hand parts out and, you know, the, the musicians can play them? Well, it, it, I mean, obviously it takes composing the music to start out with, um, but it, it also has, it, uh, you also have to have something for them to play to and play with. So um, after the music is written or composed, it, it's, I generally do uh, mock-ups of all the, the pieces and uh, which, the mock-up will have strings, brass, percussion, voice, choir, whatever is going to be in the piece is exists in that mock-up. So they're playing kind of like a music minus one, uh, where they're playing minus their parts. Uh, so there'll be the string players today. We're playing with uh, all the brass and all the percussion and all the choir, and then we just pull the strings down so that they would be distracted by that for the most part. In oh, case wow. they needed, occasionally they'll listen to it for reference, but. Uh, that's generally the way that goes. And then uh, after the parts are, uh, are are mocked up in a in a MIDI sequencer, then uh, those MIDI files are taken out and and orchestrated uh, so that they can actually read the, so that the parts are written in the right ranges and and split up correctly for the strings, that kind of thing. Okay, so do you split up like violin one, violin two, kind of thing? Violin one, violin two, viola, cello, bass. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty traditional, I suppose. Right. So how many hours did you record today? Uh, we ended up doing five hours with the strings today. Wow. So, yeah. And, and we'll come back to that, but this is a brand new recording studio, isn't it? You've never been here. 
I've never been here. No, um, I think it's been in use for about a little over a year, maybe. So they've been they've been doing other sessions there, uh, but it is pretty new. So it was the first time I got a chance to try it out after normally recording down in Seattle. Sure. So what's it like there? Hot. <laughs> it's in it's in the uh, in the nineties right now. I think probably close to a hundred. It's very, uh, not warm, not as hot in the studio, obviously, but uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the weather's pretty warm out here, uh, but it's a, it's a very nice studio, good sounding room, uh, plenty of space for the string players. We probably could have fit more in there. We got stems of a track that Tim wrote called Agonim's Obsession, and that's the track that plays during the game while you're building your deck in Artifact. So there are two string stems two separate recordings of the string players and when you combine them you hear more parts of the whole as it were Uh, so you'll hear you're going to hear them both in just a second here you'll hear one of the stems has more rhythmic playing that the string players are doing and the other stem has a soaring melody so listen to this first string stem of Agonim's Obsession what the second string stem sounds like, much more melodic. And here's what they sound like together. Because, of course, you've done this so many times uh, with live musicians. This is not your first rodeo, obviously. So when you do something like this, how often are you adjusting music uh, while the session is going? And I'm not talking about, like, if a part has an accidental in the wrong Mm -hmm. place or something. You know what I mean? Like, how often are you changing lines or or such once you hear it with actual players? So uh, not often. I mean, generally, being the mock-ups can come pretty close and, and you have a, a wide selection of articulations and, and different type of, uh, you know, everything from uh, different mic positions and everything now in the sample libraries, you can get a pretty good idea of what you're going for. Because the so mock-ups are made with samples, right? Obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All of them are done with samples. So you have a pretty good idea what it's going to sound like. And all those changes that you're talking about are generally made before, during the writing process sure. is when it usually happens. Sure. Uh, so... Tomorrow, you'll be doing brass, and are you going to do the rest of the winds tomorrow, too, that you were planning on doing today? No, it'll be uh, brass tomorrow, uh, another five-hour session with the brass, and then uh, we'll be doing two choirs tomorrow. So there's a a traditional choir and a Balkan choir. So uh, we're starting out with the Balkan choir first and then a traditional choir after that. So that'll run into the uh, late wee hours of the morning tomorrow, I think. So uh, how many uh, people are in each of those choirs? I imagine the traditional one is probably a little bigger. Traditional one is uh, 24. Okay. And then the Balkan choir is 12. And it's all, uh, it's comprised of, of, of female, all female. The Balkan and choir? Somebody, 
the Balkan choir is all female, and uh, some of them are younger to get a, a, a more of an edge on the, the sound of the voice. Because uh, typically the, the sound that I was going after, and it's not really a, a children's choir, but it has a, a, a real young sound to it. So a uh, real edgy kind of young sound, although, and I don't mean that in a pop sense. I mean that as, as in a maturity sense, that the, the, the voice doesn't sound as mature as some of the uh, a traditional choir. Sure. So, you know, obviously this game is inspired by Dota, right? So uh, how much, I mean, your palette was pretty much decided for you already because you've written so much music for Dota, right? Well, it's not Dota. It's based on in the same, some of the lore is similar and the, the heroes are, are are the same, but I wanted to go somewhere different. And the, the story is a little bit different. It's a branch. I, I would is is the best thing I think I could describe it. So so the the music kind of branches off I think from where Dota's left off. Cool. So uh, is there any particular reason why you do strings first, brass next, or is it just how it got scheduled? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Uh, there was some brass scheduling problems that couldn't happen today, but. You kind of want to get as much of the fundamental stuff down as you can. The, the 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 strings in a lot of the parts are the engine, and so getting that foundation kind of built, I think, with the strings and brass is would be the best explanation. And then we'll have percussion coming in after that on top, and uh, and the choirs on top, and that's kind of you know building on top of that foundation. So I think it's really important to have the basics down and, and the important, you know, the, the, the chordal structure, everything in place. Do you conduct or do you let someone else conduct so you can really just listen to, to the uh, players? Sometimes I conduct. Um, I've decided this time I'm the only one here. Uh, so it's, it's best that I just stay in the booth and listen. And it, it makes a big difference because conducting is a distraction yes. in itself. You, you don't always get to have a, a real sharp ear for what's going on when you're trying to concentrate on just uh, making tempo changes and meter changes and that kind of stuff. Uh, so how many brass players tomorrow? Tomorrow there's going to be 10, I believe. Split them out for me, yeah. So there's a, a tuba, a contrabass trombone, a bass trombone, tenor trombones, and two trumpets and four French horns. Nice. So, yeah. Should be a pretty strong section. That'll be fun. Is that your favorite part, or do you not really have a favorite part? Uh, yeah, I don't think I have a favorite part. I, I, I think uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this because the horns have such a prominent role in what's going on. I really am looking forward to adding their phrasing and their their life onto the the, the top of the music. So so that's going to be a big, probably one of the the biggest changes is when sometimes you get. Uh, uh, when you're doing maybe just rhythmic parts with the strings, it's not as huge of a difference as when you add the legato strings. And it's the same with the horns. When you add a, a live horn on top, it's like it's really a difference because you bring it to life so much more than the samples can. So that's when you really start to elevate the music and feel that it's a, a live group. So what other things do you want to say about today? Just some final thoughts about how it went and uh, what you're looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, today it went well. You know, I, I, again, it's, it's like, like I, I think I may have mentioned, it's like all the sessions you do, you kind of realize that it takes a while to get going. And you have to just be going to that every time being aware that they don't just jump in the seat and start playing and it's perfect and, and it's everything that you wanted. You have to kind of, 
uh, work out uh, some sort of a communication and some sort of a dialogue that they understand where what you're really looking for. It's more than playing just notes on a page. It's playing music. And that transition starts to take place maybe sometimes within, you know, five or 10 minutes, sometimes within an hour or two hours. And so it took a while for, for them to understand what the musical part of it was as opposed to the notes. Sure. So, so but that started to, uh, to emerge an hour or so in, and that's when it started to really come together. So hopefully tomorrow, the same thing where, you know, they, 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 the notes come off the page and they start to come to life. That's what I'm looking forward to. Once all of this is done, what will you do when you get home? Well, I'm actually gonna gonna mix it here too. So oh. uh, it's not gonna be just recording. I'm staying an extra three days to mix as well. So when I get home, uh, it should be pretty close to being done. Uh, there may be some things that I, I I'm thinking about replacing or or changing, um, but I, I'll have to adjust for that when I do the mix to leave those holes for that. But it should be pretty close to done. Then I'll take it back uh, the final mixes and final mixes of stems and then uh, start uh, putting them in the game and, and making them work uh, in, in the way that they dynamically in the game. Sure. Well, and of course, this is a, um, a card-type game, so it, there's not, like, combat music compared to ambient music, or how does that, how does that all uh, lay well, out? Well, there still is. It's still a dynamic game, and there's still levels of tension that rise and fall. It's not cards on a table. I mean, it's a computer card game, so everything is uh, taking place on the table on your computer. Mm-hmm. But um, it's there's definitely watching people play this game is pretty amazing because I, I I'm not an expert on this game by any means. But watching people play it, I, I've seen them get more excited and more exacerbated and more uh, frustrated and more uh, just watching the game than than most games that I'm used to watching people play. So I and and I'm not always sure what's going on, but they are, and they're just they're, they'll be walking around the room and and uh, you know just why did he do that? Why did he do that? So it's there's a, there's really a lot of excitement once you start to get to know what's going on in the game. There's a lot of a lot of tension, a lot of excitement in it. So cool. so the music does adjust to that. It, nice. it, there is ambient music in it. There is sort of uh, mid-level battle music, and there's also uh, sort of uh, intense battle music as well. Tim and I decided not to talk at the end of the second day of recording. They recorded and worked well into the night in an earlier time zone than where we live. So we just waited until the next day, which was August 1st. And then we uh, had a chance to talk about the second day of recording and do kind of a, an overview of how the whole session went and uh, what he's got coming up in terms of work to do on the soundtrack. Well, let's start with how yesterday went. How how was that all? Did you start it off with brass? Yeah, so we started off with brass, and uh, we went into uh, Balkan choir and choir in the afternoon and evening. And uh, man, they just they just nailed it. the 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 choir was like the just the icing on the cake, brought the whole thing to life, and and uh, better than expected. So that that really turned out well. Now, I know you were uh, wondering or you had made some kind of comment about how the session would go well into the night. So does that mean that you ended earlier than you expected? Well, uh, yeah, maybe by about 15 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, I think we went till 10 or 10.30, something like that, which okay. is, was expected. But there was just a lot of material to cover. So, uh, And, and uh, there were, you know, for the, especially for the Balkan Choir, 
they were learning uh, the music. There's a lot of uh, complex harmonies and rhythms and stuff. And and I'm I'm telling you, after like, gosh, one or one or two times through, one or two takes, they they just nailed it. And they had a uh, we had a, a choir director here last night too that also was uh, helping out with the session, and she just was awesome. Just whipped them into shape, and and uh, uh, a lot of respect for her. I'm glad she wasn't my choir teacher when I was taking choir because. <laughs> She she did a great job and and uh, and really helped out a lot. Oh, that's fantastic! Uh, yeah. So let's back up and talk about the brass for a half a second. Sure. Yeah. Just uh, what was that like? How did that go? Went good. Um, I, again, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes you think the the, the samples and stuff are gonna are, are pretty good, and then then the real section comes in and just adds a certain amount of 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 air and, and reality to it that that makes it worth it. So. Uh, it's, it's, it was, it's a lot of low brass on this, uh, a lot of low brass and a lot of French horn stuff and, and the low brass, just the thickness of having, we had a tuba. I don't know if I mentioned the orchestration before, but we had a tuba, a, a contrabass trombone, bass trombone, two trom I think two trombones and, uh, and then French horns. And, uh, man, it's just a, a really nice, rich, full sound. It came out really well. Mm-hmm. No trumpets. We did have two trumpets. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. Oh, not at all. The funny thing is that there wasn't a lot of writing for trumpet on this, so they, they were doing a lot of sitting and waiting, and, and uh, yeah, there wasn't much writing for the trumpets on this, unfortunately. So talk to me a little bit about then how that low brass uh, thickness and depth uh, serves the gameplay. Well, you know, it's it's kind of, uh, it enriches the music in a way that, that uh, it's a rich story, and so there's, it adds the depth of the music. But, I mean, it also, there's, there's spots where the, the, the brass, you don't want it to get too strident and too, uh, too majestic. And so that it, it, there was, originally in, the, in a lot of the Dota music, it was kind of a, a gothic feel and a darker feel. So that kind of uh, reflects upon that a little bit. Uh, having that low brass in there, and and there was a lot of low brass used in in the Dota music as well. Here's a stem of the brass from the track Agonim's Obsession. And here's that same section, but with the final mix of the same track, all the instruments playing together now. So with the Balkan Choir, you had mentioned the other day about uh, having some younger singers sing... Well, I can't even say that word, younger singers. (laughs) Right. That's a really bizarre tongue twister. Uh, yeah. So, so they just uh, they picked it up right away, and it was that sound? Did that sound end up being exactly what you had wanted then? It did, and I was and and I was honestly very pleasantly surprised. But uh, I mean, we started with the uh, with uh, the Balkan Choir first, and uh, we were talking to the choir director. She was saying, "Well, now some of these uh, singers have really not much experience because they're younger." Uh, but they're really good musicians, and so I was, you know, we were thinking, okay, well, that that that's that's good, <laughs> but and but the fact is that they were good musicians, and that came through, and so they were able to just pick up on 
uh, the style and pick up on the the harmonies and the uh, rhythms, which were again they were they were difficult. It wasn't uh, an easy read for anybody. Mm-hmm. So she had definitely picked the right group, and they adapted to something that they're not used to doing, which was really uh, really phenomenal. So and probably a wonderful experience for all of them as well to get to do. But we had fun. We yeah. we definitely had fun, and they were a fun group and tried to keep it light and and uh and they enjoyed it and uh so so yeah it was it was a lot of fun as well as uh, getting something done here's a stem of the balkan choir And here's what that section sounds like in the final mix of the track. Talk to me just in general about what it's been like to be a part of Dota uh, for a, you know a number of years now, and uh, just sit with it musically through through that whole time. That's an interesting question. Um, I think that for, from my own personal view, I never thought that I would. I, I wasn't even sure I was going to be a part of Dota in the beginning. Um, we I started working on it with a friend of mine, uh, Jason Hayes, and and. Uh, I was just assuming that that he was going to take that role and do it, and he was very inspirational at the time, and he convinced me that to get to to come on board with the with the uh, with the game and 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 work with uh, work together on it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did, and uh, uh, after that, just kind of continued in the franchise for this long. And it's not a it's not a f- franchise for me that takes. Uh, all of my time because there's other projects that uh, I'm able to work on at Valve quite a bit, and and there's a lot of members of that team that are dedicated to that. Uh, you know, the entire time where that that's that is their full time job is working on Dota, mm-hmm. and it's a great team. They're all very creative, and and I'm lucky that I get to uh, connect with them on on occasions when there's a need for music or for a trailer or whatever. So it's it's a great team and a, and, a, and a fun franchise to be a part of, and never really thought it would or would grow to what it has become, which is this huge esport, which is also kind of a fun thing to partake in. Sure. So it's, it's exploded into something that I never expected. Mm. And, uh, and I'm not sure the whole team expected it, but I, I think everybody's pretty happy where it's, where it sits and, and, and where, it, what it's become. Our final conversation with Tim was in mid-November, less than two weeks before the game was shipping. One of the featured instruments in the soundtrack for Artifact is called the Deduke, and here's what a Deduke sounds like. Uh, 
the duduk is an Armenian instrument. It has a double reed. So uh, instruments like oboes and bassoons also have double reeds. They're called double reeds. Instruments like saxophones and clarinets have a single reed. Uh, double reeds are literally two reeds bound together in some way. And here's what the duduk sounds like in Artifact. curious if that's a real player. <laughs> I love that it's not, because that's what you're going to say, right? That that's a sample? Well, so in in, in Dota, we had a, a guy named Pedro who plays down and who does all the Duke stuff down in L.A., uh, played on that score. Uh, this one, I tried to get several Duke players. There's two guys that I use out of L.A. that are great players, and uh, neither one... Actually, Pedro was on tour with Hans Zimmer and uh, the other guy uh, it was a, a problem with doing a dark date so he w- he was not able to uh, do a non-union uh, mm. session mm-hmm. so uh, as a result yeah that's the deduke that you're hearing is is indeed a uh, sample And that's just remarkable because, you know, it sounds wonderful. It really does sound great. Thanks. Well, it's I mean, it's just a matter of taking time to, you know, it, it, it ends up being more tweaking and programming time. But, but uh, you know, some of the sample libraries that are out there now are just, uh, they just get better and better. And, uh, again, there's things that I would, that I can't tell if they're sample libraries or they're real players anymore. And, mm-hmm. and uh, what you know, challenge other people the same because it's just so hard to tell. And some some people do mock-ups that are just incredible that, that uh, you just can't tell the difference. Yeah, it's really, really amazing. It's fascinating. Um, the music sounds so good and, you know, just mix-wise and, and all of that. And I'd love to talk a little bit about what the mixing process was like because I can't recall if we talked. I think the last time we did an official talk, it was right before you were going to mix it. And yeah. I'd love to know just a little bit about what that process is like, because I don't think that you do that alone, do you? You work with other people for that? It varies. Uh, in this case, I worked with, his name is Michael Green, who is a mixer at Huge Sound. And he uh, he and I mixed for two days, two and a half days, maybe, uh, maybe three days, actually, because he did some mixing while I was still doing some tracking. Um, so... Generally, what I do is, in, in this case, is I brought in all the stems that I had from the mock-up. So I had all the, st- the separate string, brass, choir, solo stems, percussion stems, the whole bit. And I brought them in, and that's where we, that was the base and the bed for the whole session anyway. So the players were playing, in some cases, they'd play along with the stems if they were needed. In other cases, we pulled them out, for example, with the choir. Um, so then when we went to mix, we had all these layers of all the uh, initial synth and sample stems uh, with all the real orchestra and real singers uh, stacked on top of that. And then it's the decisions of how you integrate that all together, what's, what makes more sense. And sometimes you get married to the samples and, and you end up using, you know, making the choice 
of using a sample over a real uh, real takes, and sometimes you mix them in, and sometimes you use the real take as opposed to the sample. There's a lot to be said um, for people being used to what they hear in a film score is generally a, a quite a, a bit of a hybrid score in, in, in some cases, not all cases, mm-hmm. but where you're hearing a lot of, you know, just layers and layers of string samples on top of real strings uh, and, and same brass and so forth. So in order to kind of get that the depth anymore it's it's hard almost i i hate to say it but it's almost difficult to get with just the orchestra um this case so so there was some additive synthesis going on there uh additive samples and stuff like that definitely to get certain sounds that i was either already kind of uh accustomed to and also just in in some cases it just made it fuller so sure um, talk to me a little bit about the difference between writing the music for the game itself and preparing it for like a soundtrack release or some other type of release, because those are two very different things, aren't they? They can be. Uh, sometimes they are. Like, for example, in Dota, the, the way the music, the, the music reacts dynamically to the game state and how it does that is by layers. So it, there could be, in Dota, there could be a piece that has three different layers, maybe a choir layer, percussion layer, string layer, and uh, uh, a bass layer. So they're, they're continually added and subtracted depending on what's going on with the game. So in that case, obviously, you're not going to release that as a soundtrack. So what you have to do is combine that and remix it so everything is working together as a piece. Mm-hmm. With Artifact, uh, it's a little bit different because th- what's happening dynamically in the game is all happening in the engine. So it doesn't actually happen with the music with the music files themselves. Although it processes them for the game uh, on their own, they 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 sort of stand alone. So this will be an easy soundtrack release once we finally do it, which I'm hoping we'll do after uh, several updates of the game, and uh, we'll probably release a soundtrack at that point. But then it's just a matter of compiling the music and and uh, you know coming up with uh, the correct order and uh, and releasing it that way. It should be relatively a uh, painless process, I think. Um, let's talk about that main theme, if we can, um, because as I mentioned, we have stems for this, which is very exciting for us. Um, and it's it's fun to hear them, just something so simple as like, it didn't occur to me that they would all be the same length, but of course they're all the same length. So that you can line them up easily, correct? Right. So it's like, you know, if if the traditional choir doesn't come in until a minute and a half in, there's going to be a minute and a half of dead air at the beginning, which is just kind of a, a fun little detail for someone nerdy like me. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'd like to do just super briefly is talk about kind of the shape of the main theme and how it breaks out, because there's a lot of tempo changes in it, which make it um, just exciting to listen to. Uh, because these transitions in the in the sections are really neat, and um, uh, I, I just I just like that part of it. So, um, is is the female vocalist real? Yes. Okay. <laughs> real. Okay. <laughs> it's safe to ask, you know. I figure <laughs> yeah. she sure sounded real, but that's burned yeah. to me before. So <laughs> she is real. Um, so, so the idea behind that that particular piece is that that plays uh, behind the the deck building section in the game, where where you typically uh, what I was told in the beginning is when when the game was starting is like, well, if, if you're in the deck building 
uh, portion, you're going to probably end up spending around five to six minutes possibly uh, building a deck. So the, the, the first order of business was to write a piece that was about six minutes long, which is, uh, I think that piece is just barely under six minutes. And then the other thing was I felt that it, there's there's a story in the lore sort of behind the game of of kind of a gypsy a traveling caravan type type feel and so i wanted to kind of in, uh, incorporate that feel into the piece and also take it on an entire arc where it's a start and finish where it's not just uh, a piece of ambient music that plays and sort of uh you know soothes you and relaxes you as you're as you're building a deck but rather something that you could kind of follow along and feel like you're part of this story so so it, it, it definitely uh, takes a lot of twists and turns and tries to uh, incorporate the, all the different feels of the game and, and some of the lore that I sort of drew upon. Mm. So who is that v- uh, female vocalist then? Oh, well, I don't know her name off the top <laughs> of um, she, she was part of the choir. Oh, okay. So she was just a, one of the choir members. She was one of the choir members, and she came in early, and, and she just had a very angelic quality to her voice. She was great. Uh, yes. she, she, I think she sang in both choirs. I think she sang in the Vulcan choir and the, the SATB choir, So and, and oh, wow. solo stuff. She was very versatile. The, the choir again there was just phenomenal, and they had a director. Her name is Jane, and I, I'm probably going to pronounce her last name wrong. It's like Felstad. And she just, man, she was so on top of it. She knew the music better than I did. I mean, she had the scores beforehand, and I also sent her mock-ups and so forth. And she just, every single syllable, every single note, she she just uh, uh, molded perfectly. And, and she just made that totally come to life. I mean, I'm so thankful she was there because she uh, she just was all over that choir. And, and, uh, and, and it came out great as a, resu- as a result, I think. Is it safe to say that the one of the easiest ways to tell the difference between the Balkan choir and the traditional choir is that there are men in the traditional choir? That's the easiest way, probably. Yep. Um, the the Bal- Balkan choir is doing more melodic stuff, while mm-hmm. the the SATB choirs are kind of more filling in uh, harmonic content and and uh, and pads and, and and textural. Whereas they're not really in, in a few cases they're singing. Uh, more of the melodies, but for the most part, the the Balkan choir is sort of up front and taking taking the lead in all the the uh, melodic content. And I am, I am so uh, uneducated when it comes to a vast majority of ethnic in- instruments, or you know, non-traditional uh, to a Westerner instruments. So, what is the type of guitar instrument that starts then um, with that other tempo change? Then, tambura. 
it's a Balkan instrument. It's what actually kind of inspired this stuff is I found a um, a Balkan ethnic orchestra sample uh, library that just was so playable and so easy to use that I started just using it all the time in this particular score. I mean, and that's where the the inspiration, part of the inspiration came from the Balkan choir. Obviously, it was an Eastern European feel I was kind of going for anyway. And, and uh, having this library, it's like all of a sudden these things just started to fall in place. And uh, all these sounds were just working perfect for what I wanted to do. And, and again, we're so playable, and it's like the, in, in some cases, the stuff actually wrote itself. section as I was saying is is just really neat because the female singer comes back and there's this really great like low string and I'm pretty sure there's low brass in there too just kind of hovering behind her which is just a really neat texture and then the Balkan choir comes back in and then there's this horn moment that happens at like 245 or something I don't even know if you know where I am in the track right now, but... Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that was a Goosebumps moment. It was so great. That horn line is so... What they do there is so very cool, and, and I really got a kick out of that spot. Do you want to talk a little bit about that section? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't... I'm not really sure what to say. It kind of started... It was like... I, I remember starting it out with the, with the singer and kind of having the... And having the tambura playing behind it, and and then uh, like you said, the brass, and then I just wanted to sort of, I wanted the orchestration to continue to expand from that point. So I I I, I then uh, created that same theme and melody with the strings, I, I believe, um, and then uh, sort of orchestrated it through the the strings, and then had the. Then as I was playing that, I remember just uh, having the Balkan choir up, the, the Balkan choir sample library up and started playing along with it. And those just sort of uh, not really with any idea of having a specific melody or anything happening, but it's this sort of a rhythmic part started to happen with the Balkan choir that fit in really well. So I expanded upon that and that helped to continue to flush out that orchestration that I was looking for. And then it just made sense to kind of end with the, the, the French horns are, are pretty prominent throughout the, you know, most of the pieces. I think they're in there a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I just, it, they, they're just fun to write for. There's just a certain sound yeah. that, that, that works really well and not always using them for melodies, but using them for counterpoint and counter melodies yes. and sort of throwing them on top and, and giving it sort of a suspension sound and, and, and uh, allowing it to uh, sort of uh, hold back on the resolutions a little bit. And the horns can kind of give you that a little extra tension and kind of have this heroic type feel to it at the same time. So, I mean, I, I whenever I can, I'll, I'll always, at least in this score, I'll try to throw the horns in to put some sort of a just a, a counter melody or something on top. I rarely use them for, for chordal stuff. I use lower brass mainly in this case for that, with the trombones and, and baritone, and, and actually had a, uh, uh, a contrabass trombone in here as well for the real low brass. 
I've really enjoyed writing a lot of horn stuff in this particular score, so it, it definitely shows up in quite a few places. does and then like right away after that is it does a l- really great little counter melody against the Duduk just right right after that they kind of they're a little more in your face right before that and then the Duke comes in and then they have this really cool I think it's pretty brief too they just do this little kind of thing in the background that uh, is a really nice touch. thoroughly enjoyed this main theme for for all of those reasons that you mentioned you know you really you really wanted to make it part of the story and it's not just ambient music while you're choosing your cards it's like it's like there's a journey happening and and that's just really satisfying and plus the length too because you know a lot of game tracks aren't six minutes long and so it's really just fun to kind of get to be in that place for a while yeah, it was a little daunting in the beginning thinking, okay, you know, this isn't it's not a it's not a ambient background track, it's not a looping track. It's something that I really wanted to see uh as kind of a a feature, something that that really uh engages you in the game and and gives you a feel of of place. So, uh but but it it was it was a fun piece to do. Just uh I I it'd be nice to be able to do more of that in the future, hopefully. Caravan uh, does a really uh, neat but quite simple in theory but cool transition from an eighth note subdivision to triplets, which is just really fun. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, that piece started when uh, one of the the, the uh, designer programmers came up to me and he was talking about how much he enjoyed the Duke. And he goes, and this was before I had even started working on Artifact, and and uh, he said, man, I'd I'd really like to 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 hear more of that or or hear something like that in Artifact. So I just started playing around with with a Duke melody and and seeing if I could come up with something that was really centered around the Duke that wasn't uh, that, that could also work in sort of an orchestral setting. And then, as 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 things progressed and learning more about the story and the kind of the, the caravan feel to the to the game, the the piece started to make sense. And uh, 
I, I just remember wanting to make, again, wanting to make a transition after that. It's basically three parts to that piece. There's a kind of an intro section with the deduke over a, a drone, which is kind of traditional. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into a, a more of a, a melodic section with, with the deduke and, again, the horn doing counter melodies and sort of light orchestration with the strings. And I, I really remember having a feel like I, I wanted to, to do something similar to and 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 not this may sound weird but one of one of the string arrangers i remember that i've always just really enjoyed is nelson riddle and he did Mm -hmm. from doing linda ronstad's albums to frank sinatra stuff and not that is jazz by any means but there was certain sort of soaring ability that he had in doing his arrangements so that that i just at some point was thinking man it would be really cool to incorporate that somewhere so kind of peppered that in a little bit in that middle section and then just wanted to take it out in a, uh, in a more rhythmic feel and kind of get more into a, a little bit of a, I, I wouldn't say an ethnic feel because it all kind of has that, 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 that uh, Eastern European or Middle Eastern feel to it. Mm-hmm. Just getting something that kind of uh, is a little more exciting and, and end up on something that, that, that I can take outside a little bit more. Which, and what I mean by that is Balkan is kind of it doesn't sit exactly in those chords. It it kind of plays just a little bit outside the structure to give it just a little extra tension. One of the other things I really think is fun about the music is there are a lot of spots where the, maybe they will, there will be like a little violin solo for a half a minute. Maybe not even a half a minute, a few seconds or a, a flute of some sort will solo for, for a half a minute and they just kind of weave in and out of the music. Um, it happens a lot. It happens, uh, well, probably in all the tracks, but I, I really took note of it in Fires of Rebellion and in Red Mist with uh, violin and vocals and a juke and, and some type of flute again. Um, so uh, that must have been kind of kind of fun to just spread it around a little bit like that. Yeah, uh, those actually, yeah, they started out, I think, as different instruments and then kind of, uh, in some cases, uh, like that wasn't originally a violin solo, I think. It was, it was a, a flute and something else. And then I, ended, I, th- I think you ended up adding an entire string section to that and then pulling that back and, and making it a solo violin instead. And it just, it just uh, kept it a little bit more sparse and thin for that, those sections that, that are more ambient. Mm-hmm. And that, the piece Red Mist is actually one of the more ambient pieces it plays when you start the game. And, and there really hasn't been uh, much of a buildup yet in gameplay and, and you still have a little bit of time for things to build before you get into the more intense pieces of music. So that that, uh, your first few rounds of the game, you're probably going to hear Red Mist for a while. Do you know, like, well, I know you know, uh, how long are these rounds? How long does a game take? 
You, it, it can take. Uh, they they vary quite a bit, but but uh, it was kind of originally designed around, or at least what I was de- thinking about, and what I was told, and what I'd seen and watched were games anywhere fifteen to twenty minutes. Um, okay. They can last a lot longer, but I think it's uh, from what I've seen, uh, it's rare that they go over thirty minutes or something. The most, the majority that I've played usually end up about 15, 20 minutes. So so that's kind of what it's based around at this point. about the Balkan Choir in in general, too, because we talked quite a bit about this during the recording, and I I think it'd be um, just a good idea to bring back up again just the difference in sound between the Balkan Choir and the traditional choir. And I'm not talking about men and women anymore. I'm talking about, you know, that almost immaturity or edge to the voice that the, the Balkan Choir has compared to the fullness and you know, depth, right. as it were, of of the soprano, alto, tenor, bass choir. So um, talk to me a little bit more ab- about wanting that sound and and uh, just getting that sound out, out of those uh, fine singers. So that was one of the, the um, uh, you know, a little bit nervous going into that recording, thinking that we possibly weren't going to get that sound because it's 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 very ethnic it's it's uh it's very regionalized it's something that i remember researching it and and trying to find uh, a choir that would do that and several people said oh yeah there's a balkan community down in in la that you can you can check out and or go to bulgaria or something you know i mean actually and record there (laughs) maybe maybe not this time but um (laughs) i spoke through email between uh, uh, the orchestrator Paul Taylor and and the um, choir director and which is Jane, who I mentioned before, and she said, "Yeah, we can do this," you know. And so I was again skeptical going to Utah trying to get a Balkan choir. So we got in there, and it, it was, you know, she she again pulled it out of them. It was like I remember her telling the the, the women, and it is an all female choir, just telling them, you know, kind of forget everything you've learned. <laughs> to this point <laughs> about the correct way of singing here's how we're going to do it and she and you know having the wide vibrato that that is usually frowned upon but it works really well in instances if you can if you control it and only pepper it in and don't use it all the time So we were really uh, uh, careful as to which notes the vibrato was was put in because if it was it was on the end of every phrase it would it would start to get old I think. Sure. Uh, so so they put it in where it was necessary and uh, she had them singing more towards I, I want to say more towards the front of their their mouth you know bringing it up into their throat or mouth again she would be able to articulate this better than I can. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but but they were all kind of having a good time with it because they were it was so uh, opposite of what they were used to, and uh, it ended up being one of the most fun sessions we had while we were there because they were just having a blast on you know even making mistakes was funny because of the fact that they were trying to do it wrong. So sure, exactly. That, that makes, makes sense. Exactly. Well, wrong for Western singers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's. Uh, and they were in general the 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 women's choir that did the Balkan stuff was younger to get a more like you you'd mentioned to get a more immature sounding voice as mm-hmm. as opposed to a uh, you know a, a mature soprano or or, or um, alto or something that 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 uh, has been uh, has sort of that recognizable soprano or alto sound. So they were younger in general too. We are so grateful that Tim granted us access to the recording sessions and audio. Uh, It was such a pleasure to work with him and and get to kind of uh, listen to the soundtrack unfold over time. You can learn more about Tim Larkin and Artifact, and you can see a playlist at patreon.com slash level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com. Made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media. <laughs>